It's Jim Paff, and welcome back to the Against Nice podcast, where we believe that nice people are the cruelest of all people because they're subjective and selfish in the way that they address society. Kind people have the interests of others in mind, but they speak truth into society. Follow us on iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and also uh, give us your review of the podcast. You can also follow us on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and many other podcasting apps. Now let's get to the show. Looked forward to this uh, interview with Austin Peterson. He's a former Libertarian Party presidential candidate back in 2016. And uh, he joined the Republican Party to run against Josh Hawley in the Senate race in Missouri in 2018. He was unsuccessful there, put up a good run. Now he's a radio talk show host in Jefferson City, Missouri. Uh, Solid libertarian. Really interesting conversation. Be prepared because we have an interesting exchange related to uh, my discussion, or at least that I began, uh, about uh, getting a libertarian fiscal conservative ideas uh, into the Christian community, and it, it's a, that's a real inter- interesting exchange. You're going to want to hear that. I don't want to uh, give it away here, but stick in for that. You're going to find that interesting. But we had a great conversation. Uh, he's a solid when it comes to these basic issues of liberty, and he remains a great proponent of it. He's really trying to think through whether he's going to vote for Donald Trump, even though he's said he's leaning that way, and he gets a lot of criticism for it. So without further ado, let's uh, have our conversation with Austin Peterson. Well, welcome, everybody. Really excited to have uh, Austin Peterson. Not often I have a former presidential candidate on the podcast, but uh, Austin Peterson is uh, the former Libertarian Party presidential candidate. He's a former GOP U.S. Senate candidate in Missouri, and uh, he also was an associate producer on Judge Napolitano's Freedom Watch, and I uh, love Judge Knapp, uh, Austin, you know, I worked for Thomas Massey as his chief of staff, and, and he says Thomas is his favorite uh, congressman for good reason. Uh, he's owner of the Libertarian Republic News Magazine and uh, French Bulldog. And a new website, FrenchyBS.com. Got to find out about that. But uh, Austin, welcome to the Against Nice podcast. Hey, thanks so much. So yeah, so a little bit of not-for-profits. I'm here. Can you hear me? Mic check, mic check. Oh, hold on a second. Do I hear you? Mic check, mic check, mic check. Huh, I wonder if I messed that up. Let me start over. Sorry about that. That's okay. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I hear you now. I think... uh, my background recording device, I think, pulled you out. That's why. Okay. Sorry about that. No worries. Okay. So I'm just going to do it straight Zoom. Okay. Three. Second time. Three, <laughs> two, one. Well, glad to have uh, Austin Peterson on the podcast. Not often I get to have a former presidential candidate on. Uh, he's the uh, Libertarian Party presidential candidate back in 2016. He's a former uh, now G has moved to the Republican Party. He was a U.S. Senate candidate against Josh Hawley in Missouri. Former associate producer of Judge Napolitano's Freedom Watch, whom we love as Thomas Massey's uh, former chief of staff. Uh, uh, he calls uh, Thomas his favorite congressman for good reason. And uh, owner of the Libertarian Republic news magazine. He's owner of French Bulldog and a new website, FrenchyBS.com. I'm going to be 
interested to hear about that. But Austin, welcome to the Against the Nice podcast. Thanks so much. Uh, pleasure to meet you, Jim. Yeah, good to meet you too. I'm surprised we haven't run into each other. I yeah, me too. Think, I think we've been running parallel paths for a little bit of time. Now, uh, I've been kind of out in the, you, you're, you're kind of now into the GOP after having been in the Libertarian Party. I've been kind of running in those trenches for way too long since the 1990s as a, a libertarian. And I think a lot of people got they were surprised when I called myself a Christian libertarian. They didn't know how to process that. But uh, I, I think um, we, we've really got a situation in this country where I've, long before either of us got involved in politics, where we've lost the ideas of our constitution. In fact, Thomas Massey always would say to people, he didn't, he, he identified as a libertarian, but he tried to say, I'm a constitutionalist. And uh, I think we've lost a sense of that in this country. And you kind of jumped into this at uh, sort of a young age, wanting to run for president. I'm, that you, something really sparked you. What, what, what's behind all that? How did, how did you even get involved in politics and why? That's funny you asked that. Uh, so to really go back to how I got started, you know, I read Ayn Rand and was, was interested in the ideas of uh, economic freedom. And I think my social views were always very laissez-faire, you know, tolerant yeah. and you know, right. just very unconcerned about what people do with their private lives, provided they harm no one else kind of a yeah. deal. Like I'm, right. I'm a very mind my own business type of a person. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think when I was, oh gosh, late, late twenties, I started, uh, I was living in New York City as a, you know, actor, writer, producer, you know, basically just getting my career started out of college. And mm -hmm. I volunteered for Ron Paul, produced videos for him and was, you know, very successful with that. I got a job working for the Libertarian Party in 2008 because, you know, I did some activist work for them when they contacted me back in the early days of social media when people were still kind of figuring out you know, how to use that for political purposes. And Ron Paul was doing money bombs of millions and millions of dollars a day, you know, and people like myself were out there organizing to support those efforts just because I identified, you know, being a young New Yorker <laughs> at the time, even though I'm, <laughs> I'm originally from Missouri where I live yeah. now. Yeah. But I identified with those ideas of social tolerance. And I think that I always believed that the constitution provided a framework so that, you know, Christian libertarians such as yourself yep. or, or agnostic libertarians like myself could yep. have completely different worldviews, but the Constitution provides a framework for people like ourselves to exist. And I think that, you know, our opposition are the people who don't agree with us that the Constitution fundamentally protects the diversity that they claim to be in favor of, mm -hmm. um, but they don't actually support throughout their, you know, their highly centralized socialistic policies um right. you know and of course a big problem is the fact that in terms of dialogue you know we are all talking past one another in this country and yeah. so the very the only real conversations happening are on podcasts like this and joe rogan you know i uh i, I was listening to some of your previous podcasts as i was just getting ready for this and you had one that uh <laughs> said uh, conservatism is socialism for white people, which I, I have a really hard time uh, disagreeing <laughs> with. You know, I, for my political career, I've been doing politics like full-time or part-time for pay for, you know, more than 30 years now. 
And I, uh, I, I was willing to identify with the moniker conservative in a general sense because uh, of, the, of the conserve aspect of it. Although uh, it, it, uh, there was a great uh, uh, organization in Indiana called the Indiana Policy Review, which Mike Pence actually once ran, that called itself a journal of liberal opinion. And, and you have to really understand uh, the terminology. But, you know, conservative, you, you kind of accept it a little bit because it's fundamentally the way people understand the term, that, that probably applies for a lot of people. But it really, and more and more as time has gone on since then, causes a lot of confusion. I think, <laughs> you know, it, it's one thing to want to conserve certain things about society. It's another thing to adhere to basic principles. And I think it's, I think people need to call themselves constitutionalists if they come from our more libertarian mindset here, not well, just can, mindset, but ideology. Well, can, I, can I interject on that and, yeah. and say, you know, I, one of my good friends kind of came up with a sort of a brilliant formulation of this thought is like, what, if you're a conservative, what are you conserving? And, you know, consider the size of government that we have today, right? If you're a conservative based on the size of the government that we have today, well, that means that, you know, if the government gets any bigger, then you'll be for what, returning it to what we have today? Like the government is already too big right. as it is today. And, and, you know, are you a conservative that does what uh, Ronald Reagan did, for example? And Ronald Reagan in his speech, A Time for Choosing, in his defense of Barry Goldwater, was a full-throated endorsement of, of big major New Deal programs, things like Social Security and others, that, that it, was a, it was a conservative endorsement. It was to say that, you know, this system's broken and, you know, maybe we don't agree with it, but we're going to fight to maintain this institution in our society because it's an important institution the American people have all agreed on. And if, if conservatism is about conserving government as it is, well, they've done a very good job of that. Progress, right. the, job of, the job of progressives is to grow government and the job of conservatives is to grow government a little more slowly is what or, i understand or in a way we prefer <laughs> right 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 or in a way exactly as long as government's doing what we want it to do that's well the new conservatism today don't get me started on it. it's kind of a strange mix of the old breed of paleoconservatism mixed with a sort of like new toxic you know youth movement online that yeah you know, apparently got very bored of it very quickly but yeah. you know libertarians like ourselves plodding along you know throughout the decades the the george wills the uh the murray rothbards the leonard reeds the the um henry hazlitt's the frederick bastiats you know the mm -hmm. the unseen unspoken minority you know they very very rarely has a platform to address you know their their nation states about the you know the state of affairs and you know yeah. sadly sadly we, we are in a scenario where you know even online you know voices are squelched out you know we, we mentioned joe rogan think of he's taking on this new platform on spotify well certain episodes of his are missing you know yep. and you know very soon you know people like ourselves will just disappear you know no paypal for you you know no mm -hmm. um you know, you know, no monetization of your YouTube videos. No, 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 because that's how people like ourselves have a voice and can speak. And, uh, you know, so while, you know, Josh Hawley and others, we criticize them, these new conservatives for their approaches of we want government to do what we want to do for ourselves. You know, it, it can be very hard to argue against them when they say they're coming for you. You know, that the social media, these, the private companies that you defend to the last man, 
you know, they're coming for the Jim Pfaff podcast. They're coming for, yeah. you know, the Austin Peterson Freedom Report. You know, they are coming for us. And that's a difficult position to argue against, Jim. Well, I tell you what, this is a really big section 230, which in part uh, give has, well, was intended to, to give these online platforms a bit of freedom to allow a variety of voices is now kind of getting turned on its head. This is going to be a big discussion in the libertarian movement and the freedom movement right now, because on one hand, I think it's really absurd to throw more regulation on the, on this whole concept. While at the same time, these companies are taking advantage of it and you're seeing little movements to, to try to provide competing platforms but there's a long way to go before there's that kind of independence there. I think there's well, a, a real attack. I, what I've noticed, and this is just from a tactical perspective, is just that libertarians, you know, we're losing on so many fronts. And I think this one, while we have the high ground at the moment with this Section 230, yeah. I do believe, you know, if, if the, the conservatives who are in power right now get their way, which they are on the cusp of doing, yeah. Uh, then, you know, these social media platforms, I think, will actually have reason to be more censorious, you know, of voices yeah. that, you know, you know, are dangerous or what they, they seem as, you know, militant or what have you. Um, but uh, the problem, I think, with us libertarians tactically is that we don't even consider that the other side might have a good point. So we dismiss the attitudes and opinions of the people who disagree with us on this mm -hmm. issue where mm -hmm. conservatives are raising sincere concerns, but that sometimes like people on from our camp will be dismissive towards those concerns right? rather than to, 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 to acknowledge that that is a sincere concern because for God's sakes, what libertarian isn't a podcaster or YouTubing or doing, you know, what we're doing right now or something like that. Right. So like, yeah. you know, my hold on the mainstream media personally is tenuous, you know, saying that I have a mainstream media show, you know, but I mean, like the left, I mean, and, you know, people, of course, who, you know, want, don't want me to succeed, are going to do everything they can so that I don't get anywhere near, you know, advancing, you know, you know, get it, have a bigger voice, bigger market, get syndication, you know, to take this message and make this mainstream. There's a lot of people who don't want to, you know, these ideas out there, trust me. No, um, absolutely. You know, but, yeah. but, the, but how do we get to the mainstream? Here's the thing, my, to wrap this up, how yeah. could I have even gotten my toehold into the mainstream like I have right now, you know, working at Fox Business, you know, working at, um, you know, uh, KWOS where I work now, no way I could have done it if the internet wasn't there. And Facebook, social media, how I, you know, organized for Ron Paul. If the, if the rules that are even in place now, you know, hadn't existed back then, I don't even know if I'd be where I'm at right now. So, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's dangerous for, to be a young libertarian punk on the streets trying to bring about a revolution. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. But, but you know, I, I really have a lot of hope. Now, I've, I've, I've been a national advisor for Young Americans for Liberty. Cliff Maloney's a great oh, yeah, friend. Great, great group. Yeah. They're doing an excellent job there, Justin Grice, those guys. They're, they're fantastic. Oh, yeah. and, and, and so it gives me hope in the long term. Because to be candid, what they're doing is substantively changing the debate on college campuses. I remember fighting on college campuses in the in the mid '80s when I went to Indiana University, and I was, you know, you're 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 just kind of in the you felt a little bit in the woods. But I'm seeing these kids on college campuses that hold conservatives or libertarian-minded young kids that are just trying to break through the system. There, I think it's harder for them 
by far today than it was for me in the mid 80s. And so, but these kids are learning not only to be courageous in their opinions and to share them uh, in, in, in an exciting way with, with their peers, uh, their, their courage goes into really digging into it. And I, I think, you know, as bad as the college campuses are right now, there are kids there that are really making a difference and causing their peers to think through what they, what they're really, where they're really coming from. I, I have nothing but nice things to say about Young Americans for Liberty. I, I yeah. was in the room in the, co- the old broken down college off-campus living situation that it was Ron Paul, students were Ron Paul. Yeah. Now I was in the room when, when Jeff Frazee and a bunch of other people signed the charter to change it to Young Americans for Liberty from students for Ron Paul. So I've seen that institution grow and, and take on, you know, new responsibilities and change their mission towards what I think is probably a very, very astute um, strategy, which is to go after these winnable state races and they get in there and they get these people, you know, trained up to be the next Ron Paul, to be the next, um, you know, to be the next Thomas Massey and stuff. So I, I think that that's a really legitimate strategy that they've embarked on and they definitely own that space. And they, they, they need more money. Cause frankly, right now, you know, the Trump groups, right? The students for Trump and different things like that. Those people, like they've got so much money and resources, for example, right. turning, turning point USA. Right. So, yeah. so they, they have the resources to be a, affecting change every single day. What I'm hoping is that, you know, and I know they've got some big sponsors, but what I'm hoping is that, you know, they're really going to, somebody's going to invest in them in a big way so that they can, uh, you know, be even more, you know, not to necessarily overshadow the, what the conservative groups are doing, but to be at least as influential in the shaping of ideas. Cause like, if you, you got to get these people while they're young, because when they get older, their minds are made up, you know? No, there's no doubt about it. I was running the woods as a young kid uh, in in this, uh, and it was uh, always very tough. And but uh, and there are some things that Turning Point USA do that are net benefit. But you're right. I think we need to. We have a real opportunity with young people who want are passionate about freedom. I mean, they they want to be able to do what they want to do. And to do that in an organized way, in a bigger way, would be fantastic. You're right. There's a lot of work. But it's also spawned some really cool and interesting other organizations. So Ed King, that was involved with Young Americans for Liberty for a long time, now running Defense Priorities, which is actually getting regular play, even on conservative-minded Fox News. Uh, where and, and, and Trump has really helped this by you know, kind of uh, calling out the uh, war machine that we've had in this country. Um, so, so I have hope there, there are some things that are happening that are useful there. I, I think the, I still somewhat, maybe I'm just, I don't know, bleary eyed about it. I still kind of think there's a core of freedom that is in this country that I, that, that we can really build on if, if we really well, like, work hard at it. You know, no matter how you feel about the coronavirus issue, I think, that left or right on the spectrum that people have been outraged by the overreach um, of our governments. Not, not, and, and it's one thing to be critical of the president and, you know, the federal Congress and all that stuff, you know, cause their, their blunders are usually, you know, on bigger on the radar. But when it's your mayor of your town 
who's canceling Halloween. And then liberals are going to scream and be mad about that. You know, left liberals are not going to be happy about, you know, their favorite holiday, you know, Hail Satan (laughs) (laughs) being canceled. Just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, But you're agnostic. You're not supposed to be bought into that kind of stuff. Not going to lie. It's not going to lie. It's my favorite holiday too. But, uh, but I'd be mad. I'd be mad. You know what I mean? As a Republican, libertarian Republican, I'd be mad. Uh, those kinds of things. I think that the tyranny that we've seen, like, you know, a surfer out in the ocean paddleboarder gets arrested by cops, you know, and, and these stories, I think, have probably brought out the, I'll say, liberal in quotes, the true liberal, right, the liberal in, in many people. And, and I've seen that just kind of organically. I've seen, I've seen people on social media who I know very well would institute um, Marxist, you know, state if they could, if they could vote for that for socialism immediately, would they do it? They absolutely would. No idea what the hell it is, but they would vote for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I have seen people like that post stories about stupid, crazy government overreach that has made your blood boil. I've seen conservatives who love the flag, stand for the flag. If, if they hear the, the national anthem in a movie, they'll stand up in the theater and salute, you know? Yeah. But um, the police, when they started shutting down the churches, that was the first time I started seeing, and then a lot of national figures too, conservatively, tweeting things like, hey, cops, you remember you work for us. And uh, the left is not your friend. We are, and you should remember who is on your side. And I remember seeing those tweets and thinking to myself, here we have this patriotic conservative person who, you know, has the back, the blue, you know, every single thing. Like they don't know. I mean, you could give them 20 different flavors of boot polish and they could tell you where, which factory it was sourced from. They love it so much. (laughs) They love authority so much. But those people, after their churches were shut down, after their First Amendment rights were essentially abolished and and, and overnight and immediately, how dare you show up and gather, peaceably assemble at your place of worship and and cast your prayers to your God, possibly for the last time during a pandemic, we we might add. Churches are closing. Some of them are closing. Yeah, even when, even the outdoor ceremonies, the ones where people would drive by, they would come in and harass them and stuff like that. So, you know, Maybe, yeah. the, you know, if those people threw out a few jars of boot polish over this, then I say it's a victory. No, it, it is a net victory. Listen, my concern, I worked at Focus on the Family, man. You know, I, I believe in protecting the unborn. I know you've come out as pro-life. Judge Napolitano has, Hell yes. has said that. I mean, it's so it's such an obvious libertarian thing to me. I, I By the way, I quick side, quick tangent, I... Democrats, when they say pro-choice, I'm like, no, you're pro-abortion. You're you're wanting you're wanting to, the the baby mill killing thing to to go on. Libertarians that are not pro-life, at least I can say to them they're pro-choice because they probably thought about it, you know. And well, but I disagree very with true. them. But. Very true. And I I also love it when those libertarians like to lecture me about non-aggression. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, really. I mean, seriously. And 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 I, I. By the way, you you have hope in this area because kids now 
I mean, all their brothers and sisters uh, ultrasounds are on the stinking refrigerator. I think we've got a real change there, but that's a fundamental liberty issue. Religious liberty is an obvious issue. I don't care if you're a Ayn Rand objectivist. You, you, if, you're, if you are principled, you understand that that kind of liberty must be maintained. But my, here's my concern. See, because I, I had a, a Christian recently when I was promoting a, some libertarian ideal on uh, Facebook. I can't remember what it was, but they, they came back and they were pounding on libertarians because, you know, Ayn Rand is there, blah, blah, blah. And she, she uh, hated uh, philanthropy and she hated God and all this kind of stuff. But these same people that are worried about Ayn Rand, Ayn Rand objectivism, by the way, they probably couldn't use the term, but they're worried about that. They're just as much com trying to comply with all this stuff. They're talking about Jesus being a socialist, you know, this, this kind of thing. There's a, a real disconnect in areas where it should be just the opposite. The, the biblical ethic is libertarian. I mean, all you got to do is read 1 Samuel 8, and, well, uh, which where I hate God— to cut, I hate to cut you off and interject on this, and I'm just going to yeah. say it's like— yeah. That's a fight that you guys are going to have to fight internally. And oh, yeah, I, I, wish, I, I wish you well on that one. But man, is that ever a losing argument, I think, over, over the total. I, Rush Limbaugh was freaking out this morning. I was listening yeah. to him. He, he does a little like um, two-minute thing for my broadcast. Right. And it was about the rise of atheism in the United States. And oh. he, he was, you know, talking about how it was talking about it in a way that it was so like inextricably linked to leftism, right? Which is kind of like, you know, to assume that is also assume that like Christianity is, you know, inextricably linked with conservatism. And, you know, maybe that is true to a degree but i mean even the, like the pope is pretty freaking liberal i mean oh no so, he's a radical yeah leftist. yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, i don't yeah. well again not my circus not my monkeys but i mean I, I i feel bad for my christian libertarian friends because i feel like we're losing on so many other things that it's like people believe jesus is a socialist <laughs> i mean you like it's just it's just too easy because of all the passages and then it's like once you get into like the the biblical question of it it's like you're fighting with other christians and it's like people like myself and the rest of society largely you know who are becoming more and more non-religious are like left out of it and it's it becomes more of a small squabble rather than like you know world global impacting events i know that it is that to that community but to the rest of it it's, it's kind of like you know, hey, can we talk about policy now? Because who cares if Jesus was a socialist? Not me. I mean, most people who form that policy, even the people who say they're Christians, they're not sitting out there debating that, you know what I mean? But I know it's of endless interest to the people in the Abrahamic faith. So I hope I didn't offend. I just... No, no, no. You don't offend at all. I think... Just annoyed I think you, by it. Just tired. No, no, no. I think, it's, I think it's a relevant question. I had this discussion with Andrew Breitbart uh, years back who agnostic as he was as well too mm -hmm. felt that he needed to protect christians because they were just too nice about it that is that is the real problem that's yeah, why it's true man it's so true you guys are so pushovers you know what i mean soft and it's kind of like you know the problem is is that like cancel culture so like the left doesn't cancel any of their people maybe once or twice has there been a few but it's right. like only if they've been accused of like something sexually for example unless you're bill clinton and then it's okay yeah but yeah. like the right, we cancel, we cancel any of our people, you know, like the leftist points at him and says, that guy's a racist, you know, we run him out of town.
Right. So it's 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 uh, because conservatives, you know, they they're afraid of how their image looks and they want to be, you know, have Christian values. But I mean, you know, you can't let your it's like the guy who um, in World War One, Alvin York, the Medal of Honor winner, he was, you know, a pacifist right. Christian, but he knew how to kill him some Germans when the time came. And I don't know, like, where the Christian warriors are on the right now that are libertarians or even conservatives, because you like, you know, Jerry Falwell Jr. is not a like holy man, right? But it, but it's kind of like he sort of represents the evangelical right to a degree. Oh, you know what I, mean? I, I, I would come back to you as hard as you or, did to me earlier on that or, one. But. Or Joel Osteen. Per, for, oh my for, gosh, what a so, nut. But I mean, there you go. I mean, these are the yeah. most prominent, well-known sort of, you know, like representatives of like fundamentalist, you know, kind of like right-wing evangelical conservatism. You know, I'm trying to be as fair in my terms as I define it here. But I mean, I think that it's it's very rotten. It's rotten to the core, and that's why it's falling apart. And it's like, it's kind of a shame because the 80s conservatives who were those, the moral majority, like yeah. I didn't agree with them on a lot of that stuff, you know, not not being a part of that crew, although I was then at the time, you know, just yeah. not, not fundamentally now. Um, yeah. They were fighters. Jerry Falwell was a fighter. You know, again, didn't agree with them on most things, but I recognize a warrior. You know, Ronald Reagan was a warrior. Donald Trump is a warrior. Um, yeah. Donald Trump's not, I mean, he's a Christian, right? But I mean. Maybe, I, mean, I hope. I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, cause like, I'm not, you can't say, you speak into somebody's heart, just say, you know, the Christians are right. Right, you no, you, you can't I make can't a final know. judgment. I can't no, know. that's right. If that's I were right. to, if I, uh, but I am a betting man. So if I were to bet, I'd probably bet you know, a certain way. And I'd bet, I'd probably bet a lot of money actually, but um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, my wife would too, by the way. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, but I mean, again, like it's not important. I mean, Donald Trump is, he, even if he is a, you know, a Christian, you know, he certainly not a social conservative, you know, like he's not, he's not watching his language, you know, he's not being nice. He's not, you know, trying to play the, you know, sort of, like, you know, father figure, you know, let's everybody get along and blah, blah, blah. No, he is a brawler. He is a boxer, a, a fighter and a warrior, kind of like Reagan was in many ways, even though Reagan was a true social conservative. Uh, yeah. But but social conservatism, I mean, you, I mean, the abortion. I agree with social conservatives on abortion. Right. So there, you, you got me there. But what else are social conservatives really advancing today policy-wise? I mean, I know they're outraged about the Netflix film Cuties, but I mean, so am I, you know. I'm, yeah. I'm outraged about that. You don't have to be religious for that. No. no. I, my question would be like, you know, what is, how is religious conservatism informing our politics today? Th this is so fundamentally a problem. And I'm glad you brought up that Jerry Falwell thing because the the fighter needs to reemerge. And yeah, I'm going to have that internecine uh, uh, discussion with Christians. And I think it's important and, and yeah. to be candid, biblical values very clearly side with libertarian ideals. You go back to I the book so. of Judges. No, they do. I, you go well, back to the book of, well, I had this discussion. You have to with, fight uh, it out amongst you guys. Cause like, yeah, for yeah. Me, so, so I, I had this discussion with, with Lawrence Reed, who wrote the book on it, you know, uh, Foundation for Economic Education. It is an important discussion because I think that uh, culturally we still have, as you say, we're being negatively affected by people of religious faith who are willing to succumb to socialist ideals. And then they don't even know it sometimes. In fact, they would deny it. And I think that 
uh, more voices that we have that are willing to, from every perspective, cultural perspective, because I agree with you, social conservatives, what are they about? They're about passing more laws to stop people from doing things that they see as immoral. And, and that never that stops anymore. the immorality. But they're not even doing that anymore. Right? I mean, like, you know, yeah. on, the, on the social front, you know, weed is becoming more accepted in the, across the country. You know, like certainly alcohol laws aren't getting more strict. Um, and, uh, you know, other, other social, you know, issues like, like what gay marriage? I mean, that's gone. It's over. Right. Like, yeah. right. Well, I guess the biggest fight now is to stop the drag queen story hours. <laughs> and but, cuties. But, yeah. And the well, cuties movie. Well, yeah. Cuties they could get, uh, I, they could get public support for, yeah. but I mean, you're probably not going to stop drag queen story hours. You're just not, you're not going to be able to get. Um, a majority of people to vote for, for something like that in like, you know, the metropolitan areas where transvestites hang out and they're going to be reading story hours to kids. And unless you're willing to get a gun and go out and do what you think the government ought to be doing, um, I don't see the American people getting behind the cause of stopping the drag queen story hours. It makes for great clickbait for our conservative yeah. cause. I'm not even saying that it's, I'm not making a moral decision on this either way, by the way. I'm, right, I'm, no, I'm, I understand. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I wouldn't go to a drag queen story hour with my kids, but it's these cultural battles, I think the conservatives are losing to a degree and, and you know, where they come back and can offer something substantive to fighting for liberty, that's really where I'm most curious. Like, you know, where are the Reaganite, where were the Christian conservatives who are also like, oh, hey, and by the way, we need free markets, free trade, lower taxes and all this kind of stuff, right? Like the moral majority, you know, whoever they, I guess, moral minority, whatever they are today, you know, they are, they are embracing themselves progressive forms of economics, like uh, Keynesianism, like most, a lot of them have just caved and are just Keynesians, we're all Keynesians now. Um, yeah. or, you know, sufficiently others, you know, prefer Marxism to libertarianism, you know, like some of these people are, are so nationalist that they're national socialists. And so it's kind of like, you know, nothing outside the state. I am the state, you know, we are the state, everything is the state. And, you know, the mm -hmm. whole exist, the whole purpose of the individual is to serve the collective. And then it's kind of like, all right, great. So, you know, what is society going to devolve back to? This is some kind of like, 19 late 1930s scenario where the only two options are you know marxism or communism if you're in europe you better get the hell out and you know flee to fdr's america hey great congratulations new deal <laughs> congratulations yeah. you thought you were free yeah you're only well, a matter of grief freer no and this I'm fundamentally i'm just riffing i'm just riffing. no 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 i think you're right on target listen this fundament this goes fundamentally to the entire case for individual liberty because my big beef with people of religious faith is that you're screwing up your lives so badly live the life that you're concerned about example it in culture that's where the uh, liberty makes a big difference is the sum total of people making individual decisions that's the perspective that we lack and the weakness in christians has been that they don't want to live out what they say they believe in. They want to make others live out what they say they believe in. But the, the massive changes that take place in culture that are positive are people living out the values that they know are important, uh, respect for others, 
living with the other thinking about other people first. This is why, by the way, I talk about this. Uh, That's why I bring up against nice niceness. When you define it from the dictionary is something that's pleasing or likable to me. And, and I don't say go ahead and be mean, but although I want people to be warriors, they should be, but I want, I want them to express kindness, which is thinking of others, whether you agree with them on anything or not, casting out what you believe and, and what you know to be true in a way that will help others succeed in life. This is the fundamental, in my opinion, the fundamental aspect of, the, of libertarianism, of the non-aggression concept, that we're, we're wanting others to be able to succeed, and we're willing to fight for those principles that, and constitutional principles in our country that will allow them to succeed, that will take government out of the way, that will take other people out of the way so that people can make good choices, so that they get the full benefit of the good choices that they make, and they're subject to the, the full negatives of the bad choices that they make. And it evens out the whole, the whole thing. I think this is what we've got to be pressing. I, and in my internecing fight with Christians, this is what I think they need to, to be understanding. And, and so w- until we get back to this concept in this country, which we once had at least relatively well in the 19th century, maybe in or certain or the early 19th century, then we can have the success that we'd like to see. Well, Jim, you know, we've talked about the resolve uh, or the lack thereof of resolve amongst our conservative compatriots to fight for a limited government. But, you know, we haven't really gotten to where my iron, you know, strikes the hottest, uh, which is our liberty movement has been defanged. Um, and what well, I guess defanged would imply that it was done by some outside force. Uh, we have defanged ourselves. Um, yeah. And I, weakness is something that can be sensed. Uh, fear is something that can be sensed. A lack, right. of mot- a lack of motivation is something that can be sensed. Uh, when you're a leader, if you've ever had uh, employees or if you've ever been responsible for someone for any period of time and their, for their schedule and what they do, um, or had to you know, tell someone, someone what to do or just you know, be responsible for another human being, so, you know, something other than a parent perhaps. Right. You can, you can sense when someone is afraid. You can sense when someone fears you. You can sense when, you can sense like crowds, for example, you can sense fear in a crowd. Um, libertarians struggle with sensing these things and, men, and, and accurately defining these things because, you know, to a large degree, I think our movement is slightly autistic, uh, yeah. <laughs> which, which makes us very difficult to read other people's emotions and things like that. So if fear sweeps through a crowd, the libertarian doesn't sense it. Um, our movement from, you know, starting around 20... 16 to you know maybe around 2012 and, and on has really developed a very strong sense of fear and of um a strong uh and a moral cowardice i think a cowardice and a weakness and a desire for libertarianism to become a sort of a self help mantra a sort of a a sort of a a path to a better lifestyle individually rather than a sort of a set of policy understandings of of how what is good government 
right? right? Like a libertarian lifestyle and things like that. You know, I'm guilty of like talking about things like that, you know, considerations, you know, understanding that I, you know, it can be hip- hypocrite in many ways. You know, I don't. Well, by the way, there's I'm an not, aspect of it personally. I'm not blind. Yeah, I'm not but, blind to that, but it's right. mostly, it's mostly a set of policy prescriptions based on government, not right. necessarily how you live your life, you know, morally and personally as a, you right. know, your family unit or things like that. It doesn't get that deep into it. It's just limited government. In fact, those tax. are secondary outcomes of whatever we do Correct. in policy. Yes. Correct. But there is a, a moral weakness uh, amongst libertarians or a, a, I think probably, and I know that there's people say this is sour grapes, but I mean, I think Gary Johnson personified that to a degree where, as I saw that, like, there's this sort of narcissistic kind of like looking down your nose at people kind of a thing that we libertarians do. I know better than you. And it becomes this unwillingness to engage and, and maybe like a lack of humility to a degree. Uh, and also just like a lack of self-esteem where it's like many of the people that I, you know, met campaigning who were not supporters of myself didn't have the kind of fundamental resolve. They may have had numbers, but they didn't have the kind of zeal or resolve or willingness to be like dedicated and committed to accomplishing a goal rather than sort of like accomplishing something for their own like mental well-being or mental health, right? I'm not sure if there was just a lot of insecure. I think there was definitely a lot of insecurity. There's a lot of insecurity. And so, you know, we're, we're sort of uh, shooting blanks in the sense that we have this generation of people who I think many of them have bought into leftist talking points, you know, simply because they've been unable or unwilling to do the hard work of, you know, reading the literature of their, of our actual true enemies, the Marxists, socialists, Leninists, communists, or, you know, to spend a little bit of time, you know, trying to figure out how Soviet Russia became Soviet Russia and how these ideas blossomed over the last 150 years. They just don't want to be seen as racist. They're weak because <laughs> yeah. they're weak. They don't want their liberal friends to call them racist because there are a lot of these libertarians, a lot of young white people. And these young white people who live in these urban cores, many of them will virtue signal to the left because one, they want to keep their jobs. Two, they're cowards. Three, they, they are terrified of, of being called a racist. And, and anything that opposes a leftist you know, uh, worldview now is racist. If you don't support Black Lives Matter, then you're right. a racist. If you don't support this, you're a racist or a sexist or a bigot or a misogynist or homophobe, anti-Semite, what have you, right? So like, right. you know, and, and that exists in, you know, many fundamental forms, but the, the cowardice of the liberty movement is to me one of, is, is our fatal flaw. There were a lot of people who got involved in campaigns and thought I need to run for, you know, I need to get involved in presidential politics because I need mental help and I'm going to use this as some kind of strange therapeutic thing to make myself feel better. I'm going to find the candidate who makes me feel good about myself rather than the candidate who's going to put a piece, you know, put some full plate armor on you and give you a broadsword and say, let's go kill some English. You know what I mean? Like let's get our kilts on and you know, we've got a battle to fight because politics isn't nice and too many libertarians want to play nice and they've got a knife to their throat and their backs to their walls and they're peeing their pants and they're saying, well, at least they're not calling me a racist. Listen, I, I have said in all the political campaigns that I've run, various efforts that I take on legislatively, whatever I've been doing, I, I really do take up 
the whole patent thing, you know, no bastard ever won a war by dying for his country. He won it by making the other poor dumb bastard die for his country. I think in the political arena where ideals and ideas need to be advanced, you have to be willing to take up that battle because it, I, my, one of my big problems with the Libertarian Party and, and you know, there's, there are so many good people connected to it that I have a, a, a great affinity for and I appreciate them, you know, and I, I, Justin Amash, I consider a friend and I appreciate what he's been trying to do and, and, and hoping to achieve. But um, I, I, the party itself, that Libertarian Party itself, one of the reasons I could never quite get in there is, is goes back to this thing of the my individual lifestyle and what I love and thinking it's it's about all that. I've always felt that – they don't say this particularly, but in practice, it's almost like if we make drugs and prostitution legal, we're all going to be free. Now, you can have uh -huh. arguments about that, but, but, but my concern is it's so much bigger than that. Of course, the drug war has been a – disaster in this country. So that's a really big issue. I'm not saying, I don't want to, you know, delegitimize that argument. I think I live here in Colorado and I see no negative effects of marijuana legalization of any substantive amount. I'm sure there may be this or that thing, but they're saying that, youth car crashes have never been higher. Oh my Colorado. gosh. I, I got to tell you. So my, <laughs> my Christian conservative friends in this state drive me nuts trying to do that. It's like <laughs> one, I, I look at your study and I'm not even sure that what you're saying is accurate, but let's just accept that it's accurate. You're talking about a tiny tick that will be all figured out over the long run because people are going to make decisions. But seriously, if everything is, about the drugs, <laughs> then we've missed all these other things that are fundamentally necessary for our achievement as a country, for our freedom as a country, that we're not willing also to focus on. D does that resonate with you? Do you agree with me on that? I think so. Yes, it does. I, you know, we have, we kind of fail to look at the bigger picture sometimes as libertarians in like, you know, we also don't, we don't like celebrate our small victories enough i think because like you know the fact that like marijuana is legalized to the degree that it has you know 10 years ago honestly when i first got involved in politics i would have been shocked and amazed to hear that my home state of missouri yeah. had done this right right but, and, and and you know it's like with people who have looked at me recently and said austin you're a sellout traitor because you said you're thinking about voting for donald trump you <laughs> sellout traitor and I'm kind of like, well, I'm looking at the bigger picture here and I'm saying to myself, okay, well, I, and I even asked Matt Welch this this morning from Reason Magazine. I was like- I heard you know, it by the way, it was a good conversation. I, yeah, 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 I was like, I was like, um, I was like, hasn't Trump done some libertarian stuff? And he, he had to grudgingly admit he has. Yeah. And, 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 and what has, and then I asked him flat out, what has Biden done that's libertarian? And you know what he said? nothing right despite that fact jim <laughs> despite that fact he didn't and i'm sure matt didn't like admitting that either but despite that fact matt said that in this poll that we were talking about that that like 70 percent of the libertarians who voted for gary johnson are thinking of voting for joe biden and i'm just like can you not look at the bigger picture no, it, it really is sometimes i feel like a lot of just spite and it's kind of like i my mother used to tell me when I was a young man and I was very spiteful. I was a spiteful young man. And she just said, said to me, Austin, she said, you would cut off your nose to spite your face. 
And I remember I was like, I don't even know what that means, but I'm still gonna, I'm gonna act arrogant. You know what I mean? I'm be, I may be ignorant, but I can still be arrogant. And sometimes I get that impression from my colleagues. <laughs> well, and, and by the way, talk about little victories. I mean, what an amazing victory that we finally got a president that says we got to stop the war machine. Now I'm, I'm all for a, I mean, it is a constitutional uh, uh, effort of government to, to have a military, but the way we do it and the way that we've allowed so many presidents to just send people off the war, off to war for a combination of meeting the needs of the lobbyists of the military industrial complex, as well as trying to achieve some political goal that kills men and maims men and women. It, it, it's crazy. And then we finally got a guy that's willing to do it. And so we're going to say, yeah, but you know, he, he does too many executive orders and he, and the debt is increasing. He keeps signing these bills, which are horrible. I I'm, I'm in disagreement with all of those, uh, but absolutely. we can't. Yeah. Well, and it's like, a guy that I know you should have him on your show is great. His name's Dave Smith. Yeah. He, he's got a part of the problem podcast and he was, he did this debate with this Andy Craig character and Andy Craig is like everything that I've described to you about like the weak sort of ineffectual, like needs self-help libertarian got involved in right. politics type. And Dave is a warrior. Uh, and uh, Dave said when he was debating with Andy, he was talking about um, like, just God, I, I wish I could say this as well as as he did. But like with a lot of the liberty movement people, people who get in the liberty movement want to get involved in politics. They are, they they can't be in charge of any, anything anywhere else. So they yeah. get so they get involved with something that you know as an out social outcast they yeah. feel they can be a part of and sort of rule the little kingdom. While right. like, you know, uh, people who are really trying to get something done and like go out there and fight for these principles, you know, not who don't need self-help or therapy or what have you, right? Like they do, or don't need to come to some act self-actualization, like can go out there and, and, you know, kick ass for our cause. But mm -hmm. like when it comes to Donald Trump, for example, like if you can't acknowledge the fact that Donald Trump doing more, some libertarian stuff is objectively better than Joe Biden or Hillary Clinton. Or George Bush. Yeah, you're not a serious person. So it's kind of like, well, hey, here's how Dave Smith said this. He says, when it comes to war, that's what he was talking about. Now I remember. He says, yeah. Andy Craig is the type who says we need to Black Lives Matter, bend the knee at the, the game. We need to virtue signal to the left. And we need to ensure that they don't think that we're racist because for God's sake, the last thing we ever want to do is think that you know, somebody you know, is whistling Dixie and hangs out with us. Sure. Um, but what Dave Smith said, said is that while I don't necessarily agree or condone uh, with racist opinions, he's like, you cannot tell me, he's like, you supported Andy Craig, you supported Bill Weld, who supported the Iraq war, who was a warmonger, who advocated for all these interventions. He's like, please forgive me if I don't, if I think that the people who advocated for war are worse than somebody's uncle who watches Fox News all day, who says politically incorrect things, right? So like the priorities are so out of whack with these people who are have what I would call Trump derangement syndrome, yeah, their priorities are out of whack because Bill Weld is fine because he's a respectable, right? And he would go with, with Mitt Romney and he would go with Joe Jorgensen. He would go to the Black Lives Matter movement and he would light the candle and he would take a knee and he would be fine with all that kind of stuff. But, and, and that's fine. That's okay with, with the left libertarians and with the, the self-help libertarians. That's okay. But 
as long as you're respectable, like Bill Wall, as long as you're virtuous on the left, because but but if they supported war, that's okay. But if they if they yeah. had a, an uncle who watches too much Fox News or says politically incorrect things, those are the people we got to run out. Donald Trump is the devil because he says politically incorrect things. No, I'm sorry, but. I see people like Mitt Romney as worse than Donald Trump. Oh my gosh. And and George W. Bush. (laughs) Listen, the corruptness of the George W. Bush administration that so many people of of the, uh, in conservative stripes just lauded and praised. And yet he lied about going into a war. I mean, do you, do you find that a, a valuable characteristic in a person to say that this policy of preemption okay so now what we're going to do on the world stage is anytime we're afraid of somebody or we don't like them or we think they're going to do us harm we're just going to go destroy them rather than building what we have here and allowing individuals to do that i mean it's it's fundamentally crazy the way people think and i you point that out well i think it's in libertarians the, my frustration with so many libertarians is exactly as you described it. They are willing to compromise major things for some tiny little thing that honestly doesn't advance freedom in the least. No, they just, again, they're, they're terrified. They are moral cowards because to them, it, they, the most important thing is whatever is that we don't want the left to think that we're racists, we call you racist, because if we ever did sit down and read Thomas Sowell and what he had to say about leftist blacks. If you, here's the thing, like a lot of these left libertarians, if you were to take Thomas Sowell or Walter Williams completely out of context and what they, what they say about, um, you know, problems that minorities are facing here in the United States, if you read those out of context quotes or said them as if they were your own in front of these left libertarians, they'd say you're a racist or the left, right. would, the left, the left would call you a racist. Yeah. But, but then in context, when you know who it was and how I said it, you know, they would feel very embarrassed. And trust me, I've embarrassed more than a few people doing things like that. <laughs> uh, but, but, but the, and that is the problem. That is a, it is a weakness on their part because they've outsourced their thinking to a community. They've outsourced right. their ability to, to think for themselves and to critically analyze problems that we face and to really be willing to sort of get in the, the mire, you know, I've got blood on my face, dude. You know what I mean? I've been the man in the arena uh, and I've had the yeah. peanuts thrown at me from the gallery. Right. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, it, it can be annoying. And sometimes, you know, that little bit of arrogance that I have is, you know, hopefully cu- coupled no longer with the, uh, you know, uh, spite. But um, I definitely feel sometimes like uh, uh, a level of frustration, especially when I see that it's kind of like, um, our movement is on the retreat. Well, you were in a recession, you know, politically speaking right now. And it's, uh, you know, the only way to change that is not to do more of what we've been doing. You have to change your, your tactics. Well, by the way, um, supporting Donald Trump for his willingness to extract us from war, to call out the war machine as he did just, just a few days that. prior to this. Yeah. Just to do that. Just now, I mean, can and we then, and then we can encourage that? him to go forward more with this. I mean, in yes. other words, when you support that as libertarians and be honest about the disagreements, I'm not saying be dis, now it's just chuck the disagreements, no. but, no, but just encourage this. I want it now, daddy. I want it now. I want it all now. <laughs> No, no, no. I get it. I feel that same thing. I've got a little Veruca salt in me. You know what I mean? Like I, <laughs> yeah, really. I, I, got, I do. I do. I, I, I absolutely, I want it all now. 
but you know, it, it, I'm not going to get it all now. They're not going to get it all now. Demand it all if you want right now. You got you got two options. You you got you the ballot box or the cartridge box. And quite frankly, you know, these puny little weaklings, they sure as hell are not going to be leading any cartridge box battles anytime soon. That's for no, sure. No, that's true. And by the way, so therefore, <laughs> I've been trudging in it for years and you decide to start trudging in it again. Why the heck did you become a Republican? My supporters urged me to. And, and that was a large part of it. I, yeah. I made over, I did it the old fashioned way. I made over 3000 phone calls from my own personal cell phone directly to the people who had donated to my presidential campaign. And keep in mind, that was a majority libertarian party. People. Oh yeah. yeah. Those people, I 99% of those people said, go Republican as, and run for Senate. And those are the people who are number one would donate to me because they're mm-hmm. the only, they're the only people who have shown like any real sincere loyalty. I mean, there have been people who, you know, there are people who campaign for you or volunteer for you, but they, you know, they never donate, but that's fine. Cause you know, you just appreciate their time and energy, of course. Um, yeah. But um, the people who donated, you know, those are the people whose camp, the, the campaign belongs to them. Remember? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's about, yeah, it's about you, but I mean like those people, like they get, they have kind of like ownership stake of it too. You know, it wasn't like I was getting funded by like, you know, Merck or freaking, you know, like the big corporations weren't funding me. They were funding my big pharma, big military industrial complex. Exactly. Exactly. But I mean, uh, so, you know, I wanted their input and I thought that was important. And, you know, Missouri is a red state, Republican state. I feel like people think we needed a win. Missouri, you don't have to like register. So, I mean, like you don't like technically have to be any party. You can vote. We have an open primary here, which is kind of nice. Right. But I think foundationally that the Libertarian Party, like they're in the wilderness now and they're going to have to like, you know, it's like Moses, you know, they're, they're going to, they've been in the wilderness for like three or four or five years now and they need to like, you know, spend another 25, 30 years back out in the wilderness until, you know, you get a chance at the promised land. But as for now, right. like, you know, good luck foraging Israelites. He- I was really rooting for you um, in in your presidential bid because, to be candid, I w- for the years that I was on uh, KLZ in Denver on the radio, uh, the folks there wanted me to have Gary Johnson on. And Gary's a nice guy and whatever. I just I, – I didn't find him, honest, to be a real libertarian, I think, on fundamentally because of what we've talked about earlier. And you were. You were actually out there. I mean, I, <laughs> probably since Air Harry Brown. I, Joe Jorgensen seems – you know, pretty decent from a libertarian perspective, but since Harry Brown uh, up to her, it's like the libertarian party doesn't even put up libertarians. And yet in the Republican party, you can get people like Thomas Massey and Rand Paul and Justin Amash and some others, even though Justin left the party, but you can get these people nowadays starting to move the needle a little bit when we get uh, when you get down to business, even in Washington, D.C., I mean, Rand's got a pretty huge voice. So he's not dominating the legislative outcomes yet. That's that's he far from to. it. He but, used to, to a large degree, but a lot of it had to do with just timing. You know what yeah. I mean? Like like Matt Welch's interview with me this morning, he were talking about like the appetite for third parties and how it's cyclical. And that's just something we have to acknowledge. And so a lot of this like non-interest in Joe Jorgen isn't necessarily because you know, she's not fundamentally that interesting. I'm sure she is. But yeah. I mean, but I mean, the context, the, a libertarian in 2020 has to be something quite unique to be yeah. 
contextually appropriate. For example, if like the, you know, central focus of the libertarian candidate was to fight for the people who were locked down and, you know, couldn't go to church and people who were getting forced mask mandates in schools and kind of made themselves a coronavirus warrior of freedom kind of deal. Like that would probably be something that's culturally relevant this year, right? Right. You can't be everything to everybody. You just can't, you need a gimmick. It's a damn shame, but that's just reality. You know, maybe if the, you know, there was a reality show featuring the Libertarian Party presidential candidate this year, also airing on TBS, there might be a chance to get what they got last time. But again, a, not a force that's underneath, under Joe's control. And right. I mean, you know, the Libertarian Party just didn't have a lot of good slate of candidates this year. And, you know, quite frankly, I just feel like, you know, people are like, oh, well, why didn't you run again? And I'm just like, well, first of all, I'm happy right now and i like my life a lot and um that's a sacrifice and also it's just not a good time for a libertarian voice this year people sadly are very in a pandemic year and an electoral year very authoritarian i feel and you know we're getting squeezed out by the culture which is to a degree out of our hands we, we are we're responsible for a lot of what's going on in you know in our movement but also outside forces are just bigger and stronger and you know it's Tyranny is on the tide, my man. Yeah, that's sure right. To, I'm not sure where the island is that we can kind of shore up. And, you know, right now we're like Taiwan, government in exile. Yeah. Well, so I'm, I know that on my end, I, what I'm trying to encourage people to understand is you have to engage in the fight. That's why I call this against nice. Stop being so freaking nice. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> okay. Be kind. Think of others, but it's like I say, um, assertive. The, uh, yeah, assertive. Sort of. Well, well, here's how here's ask how I put it together. For what you want? Just ask for what you want. If you don't ask, oh, well, you're never going to get. And it. go grab it a little bit too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. really fundamentally part of what liberty's about. So it's like we would never consider a parent kind who didn't discipline their children, and no child being disciplined thinks it's very nice. But you know, it's like. That, but disciplining your child is a violation of the non-aggression principle. Therefore, you must. When your child goes to grab something, you must retreat and surrender and allow them to. By the way, I'm not talking about corporal punishment. I'm talking no, about. I know. I'm just kidding. I'm just, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm just really. Joking. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, sorry. Say, sorry, say, I missed that. I should catch these jokes. I don't know what I'm getting at. It was a joke. Yeah, my bad. My bad. <laughs> no worries. No, but, but this is where we, this is fundamentally the, the paradigm that we have to change. We, if we're going to believe in liberty and assert the principles of liberty, we're going to have to go out and grab them. That will require political effort. It requires speaking into the culture as well, too. Um, it requires a personal life that actually lives that principle out as well. Uh, we, and, and so if we're not going to do that, then we are going to f ultimately lose the country. I mean, they're shoot, we could be near the precipice right now if a Biden administration comes in, and then we're going to have a different battle that we're going to have to fight. So I'm my great concern for people in this movement. And, and I'm going to speak to it with Christians too, because I do believe those principles are fundamentally there. You know, Andrew Breitbart told me one time we were talking, he's like, Hey, I, I, I love Christians because the Judeo Christian ethic, I think advanced the ideas of Liberty and they are fundamentally there. We can have that argument sometime, but you can I, listen. It depends, to what I do. it depends on the denomination. <laughs> well, we'll have that discussion sometime more because uh, it's it's more fundamental than that. I but I don't like want to. I always like to drop a bomb before I leave. <laughs> I, dude, I think I listen. But but you you're you and I are on the same page on this. We've got to assert 
these principles because they matter. They don't just matter in the political game and they have to be played out there. I'm not saying that that's not there, but that's not only where they matter. They matter because human life depends on liberty. And we've had so little of it in human history. And finally, we get a taste of it in the United States and, and it filters around a few, very few other places, sadly, but some other places. And it's, it's time to do that because it is valuable. We are the last best hope, you know, as Ronald Reagan said, for that kind of freedom. So if we're not willing to fight for it here, might as well just throw in the towel. I think your, your criticism of libertarians in that regard is very useful. So we're going we're gonna to keep doing that battle. I got to ask you this question, though, before we finish the podcast here. Okay. Are you voting for Trump or not? I am open to the possibility. I'm, it's more than 50% chance now. More yeah. than 50%. I'm going to, here's the thing. You know, I'm watching for Aleppo moments. I'm looking for, you know, power grabs. I'm watching what Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are saying. I'm just going to, until I get up there into that voting booth, I am going to hold it open because you know what? There's, here's my final secret. Yeah. If you don't, if you're not committed, your vote has power, you know, people that then, because right. then, then the politician has to listen to you when, when you have a concern. I'm a, I'm a concerned voter undecided. And I'd like to, um, I'd like to ask you a question and then they have to answer your question. And then, yeah. then you have some leverage consider voting for any of the candidates. And then if you have a question for any of the candidates, they don't assume, uh, I mean, you can be a mindless partisan and that's fine. You know, I'm on team this or team right. that. And if you're getting paid to say it, you know, far be it for me to criticize how you make your dinner. But, um, <laughs> but uh, no, no, no. I think that, that again, these little subtle things like uh, to, to advance you, you know, politically and to advance your ideas, you know, be a little open, right? To who you might vote for. And um, I'm not saying that like, I'm just a little open. I'm definitely leaning towards Donald Trump but I'm going to make up my mind that day. You know, I think um, if, if it, what your point's well taken, because if we're not going to be critical of the continual massive debt that we are putting this country into, massive encroachment upon our liberties, and we're not going to hold even Donald Trump accountable to that, we, we've, we're not going to advance anything. But on the other, the, the hard part of that, as I said earlier, is that we're also uh, pulling back the military. We're getting we're there. We're calling them to account in the way that we approach this whole idea of uh, war, and uh, and I really feel good about that. I I th this is the toughest thing that I think anyone who thinks about the principles of liberty uh, has. But I I think we've got to recognize that. You know, there are, we've got to take the victories that we have. If we're not willing to do that, then we might as well throw in the towel. I love Matt Welsh. I know him too. I think he's an awesome guy. But there's sometimes, even with him, I, I sit back and say, and that, then he won't come on my, pro, on the, my podcast now because I said this. But there are just times that I think that he and some folks over at Reason who are doing fantastic work for all of us, by the way. It's a fantastic organization that everyone should connect to. But they, they, they just kind of throw in the towel a little bit every once in a while. And I just want them to maintain the aggressiveness that they have and others like them and, uh, and, and recognize where we can win. I, we do not take every victory that is there for us. And it, it frustrates me a lot. Agreed. Agreed.
Well, you're a good man, Austin Peterson. I appreciate you uh, dealing with this uh, theist, uh, Christian <laughs> libertarian that's so hard to... Sure, sure. And, and, I, and, I, and I figured because you're a Christian libertarian, you'd have a, a, a sense of humor. And oh, yeah. uh, so I knew I could uh, actually wind you up and tease you about it a little bit. And also oh, like, kind of yeah. challenge you. I, like my, my thing is, is that, you know, I do think that the religious question is going to be a bigger and bigger one but like you're going to have these internecine squabbles with your denominations over you know who's more really you know whose whose opinion wins the day on whether jesus is a socialist or a capitalist or what have you at the end of the day but uh the bigger picture is what I think, you know, conservatives like Russia rightly recognizing, which is that more and more people are fundamentally rejecting religion as a whole. And yeah. we should probably start having a conversation about what that means for our liberties as a whole. And yeah. there, there is sort of an acceptance at some point where it's kind of like, you know, hey, you know, now we're a minority and how are these terms going to get dictated? We might want to set ourselves up for more liberty down the road if we are no longer in the minor, in the majority. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, listen, the idea. I'm concerned about that, and I, I want no, to work I agree. with Christians. I want to work with Christians to have a freer future because I fear the statist atheists and what they want to do to our rights. You know, if they get power. No, listen, you and I need to always work together on that. I'm telling you that uh, most of the great proponents uh, 18th century and back of liberty had a theist perspective and uh, that has been lost there and it's a powerful force we need a new not moral majority but I mean we need a movement like that that goes to liberty because it also can be a powerful force and I think the principles are there but more well, fundamentally what we don't want to do is have the the church the a baby with a bathwater right so like right. you know there are you know in the tradition the christian traditions there are some some traditions are more libertarian than others mormons are a very good example of that i like mormons a lot and it's mm -hmm. because of they 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 talk the talk, but they also walk the walk. And I think probably a lot of people reject religion just because of the rampant hypocrisy that they see amongst so many denominations. Not to say that it's not within the um, well. I guess they don't call them Mormons anymore, right? Latter Day Saints. Right. If I'm right. being technically correct. Right. So I mean, like there are more libertarian traditions, and like we need to suss these things out. And I would love to discuss that for another probably hour and a half, but I'm, I'm already losing my voice. So no, no worries. I, we'll, I we'll, we, will, we will definitely do that. Austin Peterson. I'm just uh, grateful to you for uh, joining us on the podcast and uh, good luck in what you're doing. And whenever we can be a help with what you're doing, let us know. Thanks so much, Jim. Have a good one. It was good to meet you. You too. Thanks, Austin. Thank you for joining us today on the Against Nice podcast. Please be sure to go to our website, www.politicsisntnice.com. You can sign up for our email list there just at the top right of the webpage. And make sure to follow us on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or even the iHeartRadio app. And give us a five-star rating and let people know what you think about our podcast. Again, www politicsisntnice.com. Join our email list at the top right hand of the page there and follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. Thanks for joining the show today. We'll be back soon.